When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we discuss cutting-edge science, the wisdom of the ages, lessons from pop culture, and our own experiences about how to be happier. This week, we'll talk about why you might try to make each day of the week distinctive and explore the reasons why people who don't like making New Year's resolutions nevertheless really enjoy their 18 for 2018 looks. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft. And Elizabeth, now Wednesdays are distinctive for you and me because that's the day each week that our most recent podcast episode goes live. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. And yeah, Gretch, Thursdays are also distinctive because we usually record on Thursdays. That's right. Now, in episode 177, we talked about the know yourself better question of what is luxury for you? And it was really fun to see people's answers. Yeah, Alana said uh, luxury for her was spending extra money to buy prepared cut up fruit. She said, I have always had trouble spending extra money on something that I could do myself, but I realized that pre-cut, pre-washed fruit is a great convenience and really worth the extra money to have something yummy and healthy to eat without the work. Kathleen said, fountain pens with good ink, simple Mm. and straightforward. Audrey said, as a new young attorney, meals often mean scarfing something down in front of a computer screen or mindlessly eating takeout on a couch. So on the weekends, if I can make it happen, I spend time and energy at the farmer's market finding pretty fresh fruits and vegetables to cook carefully with an eye towards its aesthetic. If I can fix even one pretty plated meal a week, that's my idea of luxury. Yeah, Sarah said, as strange as it might sound, long distance travel is one of my favorite luxuries. And to make it possible, don't use the Wi-Fi. Whenever I go on a plane or bus trip, I bring a book or video game or just listen to my favorite music and bliss out. Several hours of no responsibilities, no expectations, no email or social media. It's very relaxing and helps me clear my head. Well, Elizabeth, as you know, I do this. Um, I only read when I'm traveling. My mother-in-law does the same thing. It's a great luxury. Yes. 
Um, and then Paula said, to have time to myself, gardening is a big luxury. I love weeding and watering my plants, moving and dividing things, and even cutting things back gives me a sense of fulfillment. I am surrounded by beauty in the garden and love the fresh air and the sounds of nature. Carmel says, nice pajamas. She prioritizes sleep, and so pajamas helps do that. Pearl likes to open up her fridge and see so many beverage options. She lists all well, the beverages know, she has. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like to have Coke Zero, Diet Dr. Pepper, various LaCroix. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, Janice said she recently became single and instead of buying new dishes, she remembered her forgotten wedding dishes. The marriage ended 17 years ago and the dishes have been in a closet all this time. So she thought, why not use them every day? Uh, Catherine says, TSA pre-check. I don't travel very often, but it feels so luxurious to breeze through the line. Also, heated seats in a car. That's <laughs> if you live in a cold mm. place. That is a real luxury. I love heated seats. And speaking of ways uh, to make travel feel more luxurious and easy, Gretchen, it's um, summertime here in the U.S. So for our very special episode, number 180, and in honor of all the summer travels, we're going to do a very special episode packed with hacks, tips, strategies, and try this at homes for improving travel. So send us an email or a voicemail. Uh, we want to feature your voices. So if you're so inclined, please leave us a voicemail message at 774-277-9336, which is also 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can email us or email us a voice memo to podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And Elizabeth, this week our Try This at Home tip is something that I love. And it's the idea of making each day of the week distinctive. Uh, interesting. Now, what made you think about this? Now, as you know, I am a gigantic fan of Laura Ingalls Wilder and the Little House mm -hmm. books. And I remember mm -hmm. that as a child reading Little House in the Big Woods, I was fascinated by the idea of assigning a particular household chore to each day of the week. And, you know, Laura quotes Ma, kind of this American proverb, which goes, wash on Monday, iron on Tuesday, mend on Wednesday, churn on Thursday, clean on Friday, bake on Saturday, rest on Sunday. And I love this idea of each day of the week having its own distinctive task. Mm, yeah. And you can adapt this to any area of your life and your week. Like you can have distinctive days at work, at home, for fun, anything. Like for work, you could use this for tasks that are best done periodically. Yeah, like you might have like update spreadsheet on Monday, process <laughs> expense receipts on Tuesday, work on monthly report on Wednesday, invoice on Thursday, make phone calls on Friday. Just like anything that you want to do regularly, but you don't have to do every day. And then it's just like, oh, well, it's Wednesday, so I'm going to do my Wednesday task. In my job, I do everything every day. It's, it, it's all happening at once. It's like the space-time continuum. Uh, collapsed. But, yes. But I like this in theory. Well, or if you didn't want to use it at work, um, you can use it to make your life more fun and give each day something kind of distinctive and special that make, kind of elevates that day. And Eleanor, I remember years ago, Eleanor was complaining to me, like, uh, and they're not allowed to watch TV during the week. And she was complaining to me like, oh, you know, I don't like Wednesday and like nothing good happens. And it was her most onerous day at school, like all her least favorite classes and everything. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, let's do something to make Wednesday fun. And so we called it Parks and Rec Wednesday. This was when she was in her parks and recreation obsession, which we still remain obsessed with it, but even more intensely. 
So on Wednesday, she could watch two episodes of Parks and Rec, you mm. know, before bed. And so that may, and we still talk about it to this day. Like, oh, look, it's Parks and Rec Wednesday. Even oh. if, she, but now she can watch any TV show she wants, but it's like, oh, right. <laughs> it may, it's a little something to make Wednesday fun. Or like, I often go to the library on Sunday afternoons, and that mm. makes um, Sunday feel special. Yeah. Well, and then you have your weekly adventures. Yes. Uh, with Eleanor and Eliza. Yeah. You and did w- have them with Eliza. So with Eliza, it was on Wednesdays. And now with Eleanor, it's on Friday. And exactly right. Like those makes those days distinctive for me. It makes them kind of stand out in the rest of the week. I love it. Well, and Gretchen, you can also do this with food. Like I think yeah. a lot of people have Taco Tuesday. What? What's Taco Tuesday? A Taco Tuesday. You've never heard of Taco Tuesday? I have never when you eat tacos on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> From the the name of it is communicating to me what it is. No, what is it? What's Taco Tuesday? Uh, okay, wait. Let I mean, me see oh. on Wikipedia. Okay, I can't believe you it's on Wikipedia. Is. <laughs> yes, this is a thing. It says Taco Tuesday is a custom in many U.S. cities of going out to eat tacos on Tuesday nights. Restaurants will often offer special prices. For example, $1 fish tacos every Tuesday night. And a lot of people make tacos at home, though. It's like, you know, you have a taco bar at home. Uh, Like Jack often has tacos on Tuesday. So it's well, a thing. Well, I guess I guess it's a, it says it's like in many U.S. cities. So I guess I, I don't know. Maybe other people in New York know about this or Kansas City know about this. I did not know about it, but I think that's a great idea because it, well, first of all, it release it, it relieves decision fatigue because you're like, oh, it's tacos because it's Tuesday, and then also if you really like tacos, which most people do, then you kind of look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't Jamie have ice cream Saturday, Gretch? Yes, ice cream Saturday because Jamie, like me, basically doesn't really eat sugar, but he does have. He does have ice cream on Saturday. And we'll, we'll say something like, oh, look, oh, great, it's ice cream Saturday. Um, and growing up, my friend Liz had a—her household, I would—you know, they were very proper. Like, they would sit down for a meal every night all together at the same time. Um, but on Sunday, they, they had kind of a fend-for-yourself night, and you could do anything you wanted. You could eat anything you wanted, mm. wherever you wanted, whenever you wanted. And so she ate uh, popcorn in front of the TV every Sunday night, like, my whole childhood. And her sister That's ate, so fun. Yeah, and her sister ate hot dogs. And it was just like, you can do it. So, and I thought that was kind of a nice outlet for a family that was pretty controlled in terms of, like, its habits. It was like, okay, but one night you could just, it was just free-for-all. And so that was really fun for her. It made Sunday fun. What's nice about this, Gretch, is you don't have to make every day distinctive. I mean, if you want, you could just make one day distinctive or yeah. the weekdays or every Saturday and Sunday distinctive in some way. Right. It's really just it's just this idea of like, can you do something to make a day stand out either in productivity or in whimsy? You're just making time for things that you love. Gretch, something Sarah and I are going to talk about on Happier in Hollywood is Fun Friday, ah. um, which is our line producer, Mark. He likes to do something special every Friday. Like one week we had In-N-Out burgers on Friday. One Friday, he barbecued himself. He got out a grill on the lot and was grilled hamburgers and hot dogs. Now, I don't even know what a line producer is, but I guess you will explain that on Unhappier in Hollywood. So I will yes. for you to explain to me that little bit of yes. Hollywood. Yes. Um, well, you know, one of the things that I'm constantly trying to do with my happiness project endeavors is to try to make time feel more rich and more memorable. 
and also making time for the things that are important to me, whether it's like work that really needs to get done or fun that I want to make sure I have time for. And I feel like this is a try this at home that you can adapt to whatever you want in like whatever degree. Every day, one day a week, it's very flexible, but it's a way to kind of systematically and in a fun way make sure that the things that are important get don't get overlooked. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and Gretch, my new thing which isn't every Friday, but is Dress Up Friday. Ooh. I think I mentioned that. Yes. Excellent. Now let us know if you do try this at home and how you make each day of the week distinctive and how it works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes. And this episode is 179. So go to happiercast.com slash 179 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, a Google happiness hack. But first, this break. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, his retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretsch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. Okay, Gretch, it's time for our happiness hack. And this week, it's uh, if you're having trouble with something, do a quick Google search. Yes. Now this, I'm very, very excited about this because um, a while back I gave myself a demerit because Eleanor had been complaining that her new contact lenses hurt her eyes. And I didn't, I sort of dismissed this and waved it away. But then when I took, finally took her back because she was never wearing her contact lenses, the doctor said, yes, there are better contact lenses Mm. that will not hurt. And then she put those in and she's like, yes, these ones don't hurt. But then when we got home, okay, chapter two, 
Eleanor was mm. having a lot of trouble putting them in. She did manage to put mm. them in in the doctor's office, and so she knew that they were comfortable. But when we got home, she was having a lot of trouble putting them in. Now, I started to do something, which is a mistake that I've made over and over and over again, and I finally caught myself. And the mistake I was mm. making was I was trying to help her put in her contact lenses. She was getting more and more frustrated. We would try day after day. You know, she'd give up. We'd try another day. I would show her how I'd do it and repeat what the doctor had said. And Eleanor kept saying, it doesn't work. Mm. What is the lesson? The lesson is there are many ways to do things right. Mm -hmm. If something doesn't work for you, don't keep insisting that you have to change or do better or there's something wrong with you. Find out, is there another way to achieve this aim? And so finally, I was sitting there in her bathroom and I'm like, oh my gosh, I know this is true. Why don't I go do a quick Google search in YouTube and see if there are other ways to put in contact lenses, other techniques? Okay, so, of course, there's like a million things called a better way mm -hmm. to put in contact lenses. So mm -hmm. I looked up one, and I this was one from Dr. S. I will post a link to it in the show notes. This is a doctor who, she's like in her own bathroom, very low production values, and she just has this very different way of putting in contact lenses. And, mm. it, and, I, and, and she described the problem that her patients were having, and the problem she described was exactly what Eleanor was experiencing. So I knew she was like really mm. speaking to the problem Eleanor right. was having. So I had Eleanor come to my office. I played her the video. She was like instantly got it. We went right down to her bathroom and she tried it and she got both contacts in the first try. Oh, that's great. And, and so and she said for anybody who uses this, she says it doesn't seem like it's easier. But the fact is you will get them in hmm. on the first or second try. It is easier. But the larger. So, so first of all, if you are somebody, you know, has trouble putting in contact lenses, I will put a link to this because it worked so well for Eleanor after so much frustration. And now she's happily wearing her contact lenses. But the larger point is, if something's hard for you, don't keep saying it's me or if something's hard for someone else. Keep saying like, well, you should be able to do it the way I do it. I put mm -hmm. in my contacts away. I do it every day for decades. Eliza uses the same method. It works for her. That doesn't mean that it's the only right way. Do the research. Right, there might be another yeah. way, you know? Google it. Yeah. Usually there's yeah not only a description, but as you said, a video of someone doing something. Yeah. And, and as Eleanor pointed out, like anything that you're having trouble with, you might feel like you're the only one. You're like, why am I the mm -hmm. only loser who can't put in contact lenses? But if you're having trouble or if you can't figure something out, there's surely many, many people, tons of people. And this is what the Internet is great for. So. I'm so happy to have solved yeah. the contact lens problem, which really has been going on for years. And mm -hmm. then also the, the reminder, look for an answer. Find another way if one way isn't working. Yes. Yeah, and Gretchen, you know, I've always hated contact lenses too. So maybe, uh, yeah. maybe I should watch this video and rethink. Yes. Maybe I should get contacts. Yes, yes. It's give it a shot. And now it's time for this week's happiness stumbling block. And Elizabeth, this is my, this is a big happiness stumbling block for me. Yes, Gretchen, it's too many words. Yes. Uh, I get so riled up, both, I think as a writer and as a listener, when people just use too many words, when there's just words, 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 and people taking a super long time to get to the point or it's just really hard to understand what the point is because you have to dig through so much language. And the fact is this just isn't that big a deal. I mean, okay, it's minor inconvenience, um, but I get so riled up. I get very disproportionately agitated when I face too many words. 
Yeah, and I do something um, when I'm faced with too many words, which is um, not an attractive quality, which is I interrupt. I... Like if I feel like someone's now, of course, not in a presentation, if I'm in a group of 500 people and someone's making a wordy <laughs> presentation, yeah. I don't yeah. stand up and interrupt. But if I'm in a meeting at work and I feel like someone's over explaining, yeah. I totally interrupt. It is so rude. Often I will find once I've interrupted and they go on that they were getting to a point, a different yeah. point that is relevant. And so I actually ended up making the whole thing take longer uh. by interrupting. <laughs> Um, so I feel your pain. It's hard because everyone, it's like, you want to be efficient. You want to move through your day yeah. and just blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't know. People think we use too many words, scratching. No, I, I know it's very dangerous to raise this because I feel like the, the, the possibility that we are indulging in this ourselves, um, is, is really high. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's, on the one hand, it's like, stay calm. I remember one time I was at a, Jamie and I were in a meeting together and he like literally texted me like, stay calm because he knew mm. that I was just getting so riled up. <laughs> um, but it's also good to remember this is something that can be an issue and we should all, just like you and I are thinking, we don't want to use too many words in our in our recording. We don't want to write wordy emails. Like you want to take a second and see, can I say this more succinctly? Can I save the time of five people? by cutting down my verbiage so that it's clear what I mean? Can I think about what I need to say so I can say it crisply? Um, I think sometimes we use too many words when we're not sure exactly that we've communicated the point that we've wanted to communicate. So people just sort of paraphrase and paraphrase and paraphrase, kind of hoping that they'll hit the center of the target because they feel like they're not exactly communicating. And so it just takes a lot of time and repetition because there's not that crisp message. Yeah, I think that happens a lot. I try to just remind myself to cut people slack. They may be nervous about what they're saying. And I know for me, when I get nervous, I don't speak as well. I'm not as clear. You know, I can sometimes get nervous even in a small meeting if I feel like I'm on stage, you know? So um, it's just like try to, you know, do unto others, I guess, as you'd have done to you. Right, right. No, I think when you're nervous, it is hard to get the words out or it's hard to think fast. And so it's hard for your words to catch up. I remember being surprised that we were going to like curriculum night at my daughter's school. And one of the teachers who I knew well said, oh, you know, some teachers really get nervous before having to make the presentation to the to the parents. And I was really surprised because I'm like, but they just stand up and talk in front of people all day. I would think they would not, that would not bother them at all. And she said, no, it's very different in doing it in your classroom and doing a presentation like this. So I think you're right. You might not think that someone would feel nervous, but they might be nervous and that might be contributing to it. Absolutely. One thing I try to actively do when I'm like losing my mind over, you know, what I feel like is unnecessary talk. Usually this for me is in meetings. Yeah is remember the person's other strengths. Yeah. Ah. So maybe somebody, maybe they use too many words, but maybe they do something else great. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, remember this, that like this person is a valuable person. They're, you know, helping you, you work well together. Or if it's a friend, maybe you have a friend who tells long stories or uses too many words, but hey, this is a really good friend who's there for you when you need it. So right. just remember what is positive 
Because this is really just more of a minor annoyance. There's nothing like moral about this. There's no like integrity issue. It's simply that some people are very wordy. Yeah. Well, in fact, I think that's an excellent point, which the stumbling block is not that people use too many words. This actual stumbling block is my irritation. Right. At people using too many words. And if I would just choose, you know, it's the whole thing about your response. If I would just say... I'm not going to get worked up about this because I'm going to cut people slack. I'm going to remember my gratitude and their other strengths. I'm going to remember that people might be nervous. I might remember that some people think a story is better when you have a lot of preparatory wind up and just chill out. Then the stumbling block would go away because you're right. It's not it's like and how much time, how much effort is it to read a wordy email or to sit through a wordy presentation? Not much. Yeah. So the stumbling block (laughs) is my own attitude. Yeah. I do want to point out there's a difference between talking a lot and using too many words. Yes. Ooh, yes. That's a very good point. Talking a lot doesn't bother me. It's the too many words to say something that should take fewer words. Yes. That is a very good point. It's not about volume. It's about how much volume is needed to yes. communicate a particular message. Yes. 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 No, because it's, it's like every book, every book has a right length. Some books should be long. Some books should be short. The problem is when a book that should be short is quite long. That's too many words. Yes. I always reading Danielle Steele. You know, I love Danielle Steele. Yeah. Um, a big ro- romance writer who was just enormously popular in the 80s and 90s, I think. Um, but da- I, at some point, I remember thinking, what happened to Danielle Steele's editor? Like, I feel like this book should be two or 300 pages shorter. Yeah. And I kind of stopped reading them at that point. Yeah. 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 You don't want to have too many words. The right number of words, but not too many. Yeah. And now for a listener question. As always, you can leave us a voicemail question at 774-277-9336 or 77-HAPPY-336 or email us a question. This week's listener, Pamela, asks a question related to 18 for 2018. If you're a new listener, 18 for 2018 is um, a list we did of 18 things we wanted to do in 2018 from the fun and whimsical to the more serious, um, like make a will is one of mine, (laughs) um, which I still haven't done. Anyway, her question is, I'm an obliger and knowing this has helped me tremendously, but occasionally I am stumped by something that I don't understand. Case in point, I stopped making New Year's resolutions years ago because it frustrated me to know that I wouldn't keep them. This was before I started listening to your podcast and before I read your books. However, I started the 18 for 2018 and I am loving it. I have completed about half of the things on my list and started several of the others. I find myself already thinking about what I will choose for my list in 2019. I love this idea the minute you mentioned it and knew I had to do it. My question is, why do I love this so much and find it easy to do 18 things, but can't even handle the thought of making a resolution or two? Now, see, this is so interesting because so many people have commented about this, that there's something about 18 for 2018 that just kind of let them get things done that had been frustrating them or evading them for so long. And it's interesting, too, that Pamela says that as an obliger, she gave up making resolutions because she could never keep them. That if if I hear somebody say that, that Mm. is a big clue to me that they're an obliger because that's something that Mm. obligers often say. And here's the it's a great example that. 
sometimes the metaphor that you choose, the way you set something up can really change how successful or challenging someone finds it. And there's just something about a New Year's resolution that works great for some people and does not work at all for others. And similarly, 18 for 2018, so many people are finding this a much more accessible, energizing, fun way to get big things crossed off their list, just as Pamela says. Yeah, interestingly, Gretch, for me, I've been keeping my New Year's resolution, which was to weigh myself every day. Yeah. But I haven't been good about my 18 for 2018. I think it's because the weighing goes into my routine. Ah. You know, it's put on my face, you know, cleanser, brush teeth, take pills, weigh myself every single day. Yeah. Whereas the 18 for 2018, it it just feels like outside of myself and Uh I forget about it. So again, I think the lesson here is just just experiment and see what works for you. Because if you find like, oh, I do much better with this kind of thing, then you can say like, okay, well, how would I do more of that kind of thing? And how if something doesn't work, then let me move on. I mean, I think one thing about 2018 for 2018 that for some people is contributes to what works is people are putting more fun things on. And that's yes, good. It's important yes. to make time for fun. And I think people really have put that into 18 for 2018 much more than they do for New Year's resolution. Yes. And also because it's a long list, like you actually doubled your list. You have 36. I know. I'm but, crazy. But even 18, it's a long list. So if you don't do all of them, you've still done some of them. And so I think people are like, well, I've got done half. That's really good. That's more than straight up succeeding or failing with the New Year's resolution. So there's sort of more flexibility in terms of like, how, do you feel like you're making progress? And for a lot of people, it's really good to feel like, oh, wow, I'm starting to cross things off the list. So a longer Mm -hmm. list is actually better than a shorter list. So if anyone wants to listen to more of our discussion about 18 for 2018, we introduce the idea in episode 147, and then we do deep dives in episodes 152 and 170. So thanks, Pamela, for that question. It's something a lot of people have mentioned, and so it's interesting to hear your experience with it. Coming up, Gretchen's got a design your summer related demerit. The first is great. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. All right, Gretchen, it is time for demerits and gold stars. And this week, you are up with a happiness demerit. Yeah. So as you know, I've spent a lot of time thinking about like design your summer and what I want from the summer. And one of the things about this summer is that we have not had many adventures this summer on Mm. our weekends. Now, I really do think there's a lot of value to being bored, 
that's mm-hmm. when you figure out what you really want to do, like especially for children. And also just and reading, uh, I've, you know, having time to do some serious reading. And so that's good. But the problem is, is that adventures make time feel memorable. It's like you're like, oh, mm. five years later, you can remember. Oh, I remember when we went to Storm King and it was so hot and we saw that, you know, excellent sculpture. Um, but we're having like very pleasant hang around the house kind of weekends, mm. which is fun. But I feel like it just is going to. In the years past, it'll just blend in with every other summer, and it's not very memorable. So I kind of wish that I had made more of an effort to make plans, distinctive, memorable plans. Yeah, I hear you. There's You just have, like, the haze of summer as opposed to, like, oh, this is what I did this summer. Like, if you had to go back to school and write the essay, (laughs) there wouldn't be a lot to say. Yeah, it's fun as the day's unfolding, but it doesn't leave much of a mark, yeah. So that's it. Well, Ele- there's always next summer. There's Greg. always next summer. The days are long, but the years are short. We will have a summer again soon. Uh, so, listen, what is what's your gold star for this week? Gretch, our listeners are always asking for podcast recommendations. Yes. So, um, and we're always looking for the next great podcast. So I like to pass them along when I find one. So my gold star this week goes to the podcast 30 for 30, which is obviously a podcast version of the ESPN show 30 for 30. And for the first time they did a series. So it's five full episodes, not just one episode. And it's on Bikram Chowdhury, I think is how you pronounce his last name, the founder of Bikram Yoga, which is, you know, has is and especially used to be a hugely popular um, yoga practice. Um, it's hot yoga. It's when you do it at like a hundred degrees. Well, mom and dad um, did that for quite some time. For years. Yes. Yeah. I think it's 26 poses, the same ones every time. But anyway, Bikram himself is just a very complicated figure. And the, the I should say the podcast has adult content, definitely not for kids. Uh-huh. Um, but it's just a really interesting story of how he came to the U.S. and built this empire and where it is now and what happened and how he treated people. Um, so I just recommend it. I found it absolutely fascinating. Excellent. Good. Well, I will post a link to that in the show notes um, for people who want to get a link to 30 for 30 on Bikram. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Make each day of the week distinctive. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you and what you did to make each day of the week distinctive. Thank you to our producer, Odelia Rubin. Also, thanks to Andy Bowers and Kristen Meinzer at Panoply. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like this show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting app. There are a lot of people who love podcasts, but there are a lot of people who don't even know about podcasts and how to listen to podcasts. So help a friend, turn them on to the joy of podcasts. And while you're at it, please recommend Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast. Hmm. And it really does help us if you subscribe to us um, because that helps other listeners find the show as well. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. <laughs>